North Pole Hotline. Help! My in-laws are hosting Thanksgiving, and we're bringing the dressing. You mean stuffing? No, dressing. I need cute outfits for everyone. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's kicking off the holidays with stylish denim, velvet tops, the season's best dresses, and 40% off your entire purchase now through Tuesday. 40% off? We'll be stuffing our shopping bag full. And don't forget colorful sweaters and amazing outerwear, too. You can even buy online and pick up in store for free. Ooh, I love an all-you-can-wear buffet. Holiday your heart out at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1118 to 1120. Exclusions apply. See stores for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Dr. Lowe here once again, and you've tuned in to Dr. Lowe Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. For those of you who don't know me, my real name is Dr. Lauren Noel. Lowe is just a nickname, and I am a naturopathic doctor in San Diego, California. I have a specialty in using natural medicine for both wellness and chronic disease. I absolutely love what I do because I have the honor of guiding patients back to health every single day with natural and effective therapies. I have a great show lined up for you tonight. Before we jump into it, I'd like to give you a few announcements. Next week's show, mark your calendars, I will be interviewing Dr. Marianne Marchese. We'll be talking all about environmental toxins. And why is this so important? Well, virtually every disease that I could mention has some aspect of toxicity to it, meaning there is a toxic burden on the body. We'll be talking all about how to reduce your exposure to toxins in your everyday life, whether that's in your household cleaning products, to body care, to foods, and a lot more. So definitely mark your calendars for that. The week after that, I will actually be taking the week off. I will be out of town for a medical conference, so that will be my bye week. But the following week, I'll finally have Dr. Uh, Lise Alshuler on the uh, on the show. She's a naturopathic oncologist. <clears throat> Excuse me, and we'll be discussing natural medicine for cancer. So, very important show. Spread the word. A lot of people are dealing with this in their lives, personally, or their family members or friends. So, I'd love to have as many listeners for that show as possible. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook, definitely check me out. Facebook.com/slash Dr. Noel. D R L O N O E L. For callers, the number to call in is 818-495-6919, and just press 1 if you'd like to ask a question, and I will let you know uh, during the show when I'll be taking questions. Tonight's topic is all about bone health. We have an expert in the building who will be joining us tonight, so I will go ahead and introduce our guest. Tonight we have Dr. John Neustadt joining us. He is an internationally acclaimed physician, author, and speaker. He's a medical director of Montana Integrative Medicine and co-founder of Nutritional Biochemistry Incorporated. Dr. Neustadt has written more than 100 articles and is a regular contributor to the medical journal, The Integrative Medicine, as well as uh, Remedies Magazine. And as, as I was looking at his bio, there are so many awards that I could mention, and if I did all of them, I would literally be here all here all night mentioning them to you, but one that really stood out to me was that in 2008, Dr. Neustadt was voted the best doctor among all physicians in the area in Bozeman, and it's the first time a naturopathic physician ever won that award, so that was really impressive. Dr. Neustadt received his naturopathic medical degree from Bastyr University, where he was awarded the Founders Award for Academic and Clinical Excellence. He's one amazing doc. I had the opportunity of meeting him at a medical conference and just really impressed with his uh, just how much knowledge he has and just the, the integrity he brings to his work. So I'm honored to have him on the show. So go ahead and bring him on. Dr. Neustadt, are you there? I am, yes. Thank you for that generous uh, and gracious introduction. It's a pleasure to be a guest on your show. Oh, absolutely. You deserve every word of it. So I'm, I'm honored to have you. Thank you much, so much for joining me. My pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. So first off, I definitely have to ask you the question. Tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get to be who you are and specializing in what you do? Well, I think like with everyone, uh, it was uh, personal decisions along the way. We all have uh, sort of forks in the road in our 
life histories, uh, decisions, important decisions that we make that, that contribute to creating who we are as individuals and guide us uh, on our way and our paths to uh, professionally what we end up doing. For myself, I was uh, out of school in Seattle. I ended up uh, working in high-tech, uh, Boeing, Microsoft, and different high-tech startup companies doing uh, technical writing and marketing communications writing. And prior to that, I worked as a journalist for years. And when I was in high-tech, I started to get sick. I was really quite miserable in that career and that job. And I went to my medical doctor, and he basically just got irritated with me because I was really trying to learn about what was going on and how I can fix it. And he just wanted to write me a prescription and wanted to get on to the next patient. So I had heard of Bastyr University, is in Seattle where I was living, and I said to myself, well, let's go see what these people have to say. I went in to the clinic, and it was an excellent experience, the teaching clinic. The medical director of the clinic, uh, Jamie Wallace, was uh, happened to be the attending uh, physician at the time, a supervising doctor. And at the end of the hour, the first appointment, they really got to know my situation and what was going on with me. And he looked at me, and he said, you need to quit your job. And my medical doctor that I had at the time would have never gotten to know me that well. And if it's one of the philosophical tenets of naturopathic medicine, was I subsequently learned, is to not only treat the whole person, but to heal uh, and treat the underlying cause. Well, that really was the underlying cause. I was following the wrong path for my life. I was in the wrong profession and the wrong job. And he was right. And I was happened to be open to hearing that information at the time and acting on it. I had been considering returning for medical school. I had a background in I had uh, all my pre-med uh, requirements taken care of in undergraduate and had a degree in botany. and So I quit my job the next week, literally, and started the enrollment process in Bastyr and have been able to utilize all my knowledge of uh, writing with respect to the journalism background, gathering information, putting it together in a usable form that people can understand, translating that technical information into the lay public um, uh, knowledge, and it's served me all very well. I've been using all my skills in the current position and working directly with patients as well and being able to make positive impacts on, on their life is incredibly uh, rewarding, not to mention the ability uh, that I've had with my partner to create uh, some truly groundbreaking dietary supplements through our company, Nutritional Biochemistry Incorporated, or MBI, and our flagship, our main product is really OsteoK. And the reason we created that is because there was not the dosage in the form of nutrients shown to decrease fractures that we knew were possible uh, in the U.S. People are basically just taking calcium and vitamin D, and those only decrease fractures by 16%. But through the research that we're doing, we discovered uh, MK4. It's a specific form of vitamin K2 that's been approved in Japan since 1995 as a medication for the prevention and treatment of osteoporosis, and it decreases fractures uh, by 87% in clinical trials without any of the side effects of um, medications. And so we brought that over into the U.S. It's the only product in the country that has the, the clinical dose of those nutrients, calcium, vitamin D, with the MK4 in it. And we've just seen amazing results. Uh, customers around the country are sending in their own video testimonials. They're actually taking their own time out of their day uh, to f uh, videotape themselves with a, a flip cam or video camera and sending us those files to post on our website for others to uh, to learn from, and that's really what a lot of this about is educating people just like what you do and what you're so good at is helping be a conduit for the information. We didn't create any of this information. We've just 
access the information and translated it into a way that people can learn about it, ways that they can be proactive to protect their bones and their health, and really understand the difference between bone mineral density and fracture reduction, and are they doing the right things for themselves. And uh, similarly with, with other projects that we've worked on, like with memory and energy, with our Mitofort supplement and the, the clinical dosage of the nutrients and that. But it really comes down to being able to educate people so they can make the best decisions, especially with osteoporosis and bone health, because it's a deadly disease to reduce not only the fracture risk, but when you fracture a hip and you have osteoporosis, there's a 20% chance that you're going to die within a year. So it is a deadly, right. deadly condition. Right, definitely. That's why I'm I'm so excited to have you on the show, just having someone who's so knowledgeable in, in a very specific condition to be able to, you know, bring the expert to people so you, they can hear right from the source. You know, it's, it's like you're saying, it's all about getting information out there, knowledge is power, and people knowing what's going on, they can make educated decisions. So. That's awesome. I'm so excited you're on the show. I, I want to just um, take a step back and, and talk about a little bit of the basics for people listening. And um, What's involved with normal physiology of the bone? How does the bone stay strong naturally? Well, the bone is a tissue, and like all tissues, it has different components to it. The mineral component, everybody knows there's calcium in bone. That's a mineral. The mineral component of the bone gives bone its hardness. But there's another major component of the bone, and that's the connective tissue or the collagen in the bone. That gives bone its, its quality, its flexibility. Connective tissue is throughout the body. Uh, for example, when connective tissue in the skin begins to break down as we age, we all get those the wrinkles and the sagging skin. Well, it's the same thing with bone in terms of there is connective tissue in bone, collagen in bone, and when that breaks, begins to break down, and degenerate, the quality of the bone also begins to degenerate and decrease, and that increases the the risk for fractures. So in the normal physiology of the bone, the bone is growing in mass and uh, size over the bout, you know, through puberty into the 20s, and then when we hit our 30s, we all begin to slowly decrease the bone mass begins to slowly decline and typically with women that be, that increases the rate of bone loss increases after menopause when the estrogen goes down and over the life of uh, somebody's life different medications can also really strip the body of its of its minerals and and specifically in bone and decrease the bone quality and the bone quantity and create osteoporosis such as uh, acid-blocking medications, uh, prednisone, uh, and others. And so the normal physiology of the bone is always in a dynamic uh, equilibrium, meaning that there's constant bone, bone is constantly being built, built up and it's constantly being broken down. And that process, that dynamic process, is what creates the bone quality and providing the optimal environment physiologically for that to occur to grow bones but also to maintain bone health throughout life is very important so medications can interrupt that healthy process as can certain medical conditions uh, such as anorexia um, uh, Cushing's disease and other diseases as well like celiac disease okay all right so why why is it that some women, you know, get osteoporosis and some women don't. How much of it is, is genetic and how much is environmental that you're seeing? Well, very little of it is, is genetic. It's it's mostly uh, environmental. In fact, uh, as we age, genetics becomes less and less of a 
determining factor of our health, and lifestyle and environment become more and more. There are known risk factors for osteoporosis that are well documented, and genetics is not even on any of those lists, especially when you're talking about postmenopausal osteoporosis or osteoporosis as we age. Now, there are conditions that can occur with bone in infants, which is going to be primarily genetically determined, but uh, barring that's that's the rare rare uh, occasion, and as we speak about osteoporosis, what we're n- usually speaking about in bone health is uh, bone quality and osteoporosis occurring as people age, and genetics is just not a factor. And so, so you're not so you're saying that osteoporosis isn't really a natural thing that happens. It's something that happens commonly, but it's not like a natural process of aging, correct? No, it is. I, I, okay. I would say that it is. That doesn't mean that everybody is going to get it, it, but it is a natural uh, aging process. There are things mm-hmm. that we can do to reverse that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it inevitable? I don't believe so in most people. Mm-hmm. Is it a natural process? Sure, it is a natural process uh, as part of the aging process, absolutely. Okay. So what are the what are the best ways for a person to prevent getting osteoporosis for themselves down the line? Well, there are the best things that I like to talk about in terms of uh, with with the general public, but also with my patients, are what they can do proactively, things that they can control and they can change, such as diet, exercise, lifestyle factors, and with within each of those categories. Research is very compelling and strong pointing to the fact that eating more of a whole foods diet, eating more uh, vegetables, especially green leafy vegetables, eating more of a Mediterranean style diet, which is rich in fruits and vegetables and legumes and lean proteins and very um, it's very rare in the traditional Mediterranean diet that you have fried foods. Uh, or a lot of processed foods like you have in the standard American diet now, that dietary pattern of eating uh, lots of green leafy vegetables and and whole foods has been shown not only to build bone but to reduce the risk for osteoporosis. In terms of, of lifestyle factors, stress is known to decrease bone mass and contribute to osteoporosis. There is a, an interesting study done. Now, doctors all know that prednisone can strip the body of its minerals and cause osteoporosis and actually increase the risk of an osteoporotic fracture by up to 200%. That's with people who are on prednisone, oral prednisone, typically for rheumatoid arthritis or different autoimmune conditions. They'll be taking that medication. If they take it orally for six months or longer, you have about a, up to 200% increased risk for, for osteoporosis and osteoporotic fractures. Then the good news is that it is believed that once that medication is discontinued, the risk for fracture uh, then declines. But even in people without a medical condition of elevated cortisol, such as is found in Cushing's disease, or in people taking prednisone, there is still a risk of contributing to bone loss through elevated cortisols that are in the, the normal considered in the normal range, that is physiologically normal, not pathological. It's not a disease state. You find that in type A personalities, people who are on the go, sleep deprived, and that's, uh, those sorts of, of lifestyles. And a study showed that there is an association between people that are in the normal range of cortisol but in the high end uh, and osteoporosis, so that can contribute to it as well. 
And in terms of exercise, a sedentary lifestyle is is is, is documented uh, to decrease the bone quality and also to increase the risk for osteoporosis and osteoporotic fractures. A lot of that might be contributed to loss of core strength and increasing the risk for falling. So simple exercises such as just uh, qigong or balance exercises. Sometimes I'll have tell uh, some of my elderly patients, I'll, you stand on one foot while you're brushing your teeth for 30 seconds, and then you know switch feet and do that twice a day when you're brushing your teeth. Even that alone has been shown to decrease the risk of falling and the decrease uh, and decreasing the risk of therefore fall-related injuries such as as fractures. Hmm, I forgot about that one. I remember you mentioning that in one of your lectures. I think. Yeah. yeah, I did, and there are other great exercises that can be done. But the point I like to get across to people, it doesn't have to be the type of situation where you've got to go join a gym and pump iron. There are right. very simple things that people can do in the convenience of their own home without weights, without a lot of equipment. It just takes a little time, a little bit of effort, and the desire to participate in somebody's own health and improve their own health. And there's a lot that can be done with dietary changes and some simple exercises and, and lifestyle modifications to decrease stress. That Those are good preventative strategies. Uh, taking a calcium supplement, it's okay. Calcium is approved by the US FDA uh, for the prevention of uh, osteoporosis. But the reality is when it comes to osteoporosis and what I try and get across to people is understanding the difference between osteoporosis and how is it diagnosed and that is a bone density scan and what is the risk for fracture because that's the real dangerous part of this disease is fracturing a bone. As I mentioned before, if you break a hip and you have osteoporosis, there's a 20% chance you're going to die in a year. And of those patients who survive that first year, 20% of them will end up in a nursing home for chronic care with chronic debilitating pain. And the risk for actually mortality or death after one of those hip fractures is, is increased for up to 10 years after. So it's, it is a deadly disease. The biggest risk of the disease is not somebody's bone density scan and not the, not the T-score or the results of a bone density scan. It's what is the fracture risk? And dating back all the way to 1996 in the published literature, we see studies appearing, there are many of them, concluding that the risk the or not the risk the ability for bone density scan to predict a fracture in women is only 44% and in men it's only 21%. All of the major medical organizations now, American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists uh and others, the position statements are very clear on this. Their position statements are that that uh fracture risk is dependent on factors other than bone density scans. And I slow down when I say that because I want people to really understand, and this is what I take a lot of time in my clinic talking to patients about, is educating them of the the predictive value, the benefits of the bone density scan, but also its limitations. That we've got to look beyond bone mineral density at bone quality, that is the collagen, the connective tissue in the bone, to really understand how we can devise strategies to reduce fractures and fracture risk as much as possible, and that's where the MK4 comes in. Because the MK4 uh, at 45 milligrams a day, it's a form of vitamin K2 in osteo-K with the calcium and the vitamin D, has actually been shown to decrease fractures by 87% in clinical trials, 
and that is uh, surpasses any of the medications on the market. Now, it's not a medication. It's a dietary supplement, and it's available to anyone um, through the website, over the counter, and it can be taken with the uh, osteoporosis medications if people want to continue taking those. So, so let's say there's a, a patient who doesn't have osteoporosis yet, or maybe even doesn't have osteomalacia. Maybe just knows they have like a very, very strong family history. Maybe they're getting to be that age of menopause. Should they take it preventatively, or should it be something once they already have this setting in? Who's they the absolutely best should candidate? take it preventatively. They, they okay. absolutely should take it. It, it. As anyone who's taking a calcium supplement, in my opinion, switch, switch, switch to should switch to osteo K. That was a bit of a tongue twister for me. Should mm-hmm. switch to osteo K. The reason is because, and and people can obviously your listeners, you know, take this what I'm about to say and weigh your your own decision, come to your own decision, because I obviously, I help create the product. I, I do have a vested interest in the product. So go to the website, look at the over 200 citations that are there, look at the testimonials, read the research, educate yourself to make your own decision. But in my, not only my my personal opinion, but my professional medical opinion is that anybody taking a calcium supplement should switch to the osteo-K, because why are people taking a calcium supplement? Well, they're taking a calcium supplement to protect their bones. The reality, again, is that calcium and vitamin D only decrease fractures 16%. When the MK4 is added to that in the clinical trials in Japan, again, it is approved in Japan as a medication, although it is, and the MK4, a vitamin, it reduces fractures by 87%. And the reason it does that is because the MK4 builds bone collagen. It builds that connective tissue and bone, gives bone a little bit of its flexibility or elasticity. So when somebody falls, the bone can absorb that impact and deform slightly and not fracture. When the collagen gets degraded and they're just the minerals are left, it's like a column of chalk that just shatters when somebody falls. So that's why I'm a big advocate of the MK4, the 45 milligrams a day, and that's why I recommend the OsteoK. Uh, the reason why we went with the MK4 is because of the clinical trials on it. And if people are familiar with bone health supplements, they may look at the one they're taking if it's not just a straight calcium supplement and say, well, it has vitamin K in it. There are two general forms of two vitamin K forms that they'll find in dietary supplements. One is called MK4, that's in the osteo-K, and the other is called MK7. MK7 is another form of vitamin K2 that's used in dietary supplements. The body doesn't produce MK7 naturally. It's produced by bacteria. The body does produce some MK4. But the bottom line, and this is, again, what I try and educate people about, always when you think of osteoporosis and when you think of of how you're going to help yourself to protect and heal and strengthen your bones, always ask the question, how much uh, does fracture risk get reduced by doing what I'm going to be doing? That is, if you're going to be exercising, is it going to be reducing my fracture risk? Don't be focused solely on the bone density scan because, again, that only predicts 44% of women who will get a fraction only 21% of men. So back to the MK4 versus the MK7. What does the research show, what do the data show for each of these nutrients at reducing fractures? As I already said, the MK4 reduces fractures by 87%. MK7 
still a form of vitamin K, but a different form. It is a different molecule. has never been shown in any clinical trial to reduce fractures, ever. Wow. Wow. Dietary supplement manufacturers use it because it's cheap. It's Mm -hmm. very inexpensive. And most dietary supplement manufacturers are going to use the cheapest available ingredient to get the largest possible profit margin. Of course, because do people don't know the difference. And I tell patients all people the time. Don't. You know, it's buyer beware. It is buyer Costco. beware. Yeah, it's everywhere. It's like you got to know the different forms of the vitamins or at least, you know, trust your naturopath to kind of sift through it for you and let you know mm-hmm. what, what's good, what's not, because it's just it's not all created equal for for supplements. And, yeah, and no, I've really been impressed with I, I've been very impressed with your product, too, and I wouldn't have someone just on the show just promoting their product so it wasn't something I totally recommended as well. So, yeah, so I, I, I've, I've definitely been impressed with the research behind it. So, Well, absolutely. and that's what we do with all of our products. We're not looking – at MBI, we're not looking to become a, um, you know, Centrum-type vitamin or a, a – Kirkland, like at Costco, or one of these mass-produced GNC where they've got hundreds and hundreds of products, we're very focused on what what were the clinical needs that were not being uh, met by existing formulations out there, what does the research show, and how can we meet that? I think we have you know, eight products on the market, OsteoK being one. All of them are, are very unique. Uh, our multivitamin has only the most absorbable minerals in it. Just anybody who's listening right now, pick up your multivitamin, look at the magnesium, look at the zinc, look at the copper. If any of them say oxide on there, copper oxide or magnesium as magnesium oxide, you're flushing your money down the toilet. You are not getting your money's worth because those forms of the nutrients are not absorbable. Your body can only absorb 2% of magnesium oxide. The rest goes right through you in your stool. And, in fact, in higher amounts, larger dosages, Clinically, we use it as a laxative. So if your supplement has 100 milligrams or multivitamin of magnesium as magnesium oxide, you're only getting about 2 milligrams into your body. The rest is going right into the toilet. And that's what we try and educate people about. And so all of our formulas really do have uh, the clinically relevant, not only dose of nutrients, but forms of the nutrients as well. And that's why we have the 45 milligrams of the MK4 in the OsteoK, which you will not find in any other product in the U.S., and that's the only dose shown in the research to decrease fractures. Good stuff. I wanted to backtrack a little bit, um, just talking about diet a little bit. We did touch on it briefly. Um, I'm just curious what, what your take is on this. Does a person have to consume dairy to get calcium in their diet? What's your take on that? Uh, no, it's actually it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I write a, a recurring column here for our local uh, newspaper, the Bozeman Daily Chronicle. Uh, it's a column for parents and children, and it's an Ask the Doc column. I switch off. There's a pediatrician that does it one month, and I'll do it the next month. And just had a, um, a reader write in and, and discuss how their, their child is not does not like eating milk or drinking milk, and do they have to drink milk, and uh, what can they do if the child doesn't want to drink milk, and should they be concerned? So I, it's interesting you, you ask that because I just wrote a, a column on that, and I've also encountered that in my own life because my son, uh, Nate, he is five and a half, and he doesn't really enjoy drinking milk. He'll eat cheese every once in a while, but even that he doesn't consume uh, you know, daily or um, maybe not even four or five times a week. So the question of most people think of with dairy is a calcium issue. Am I getting enough calcium? The amount of calcium someone should get 
changes uh, as they age. At about 17 years old, you, you start getting into the adult requirement of around you know, 1,200 to 1,500 milligrams a day of, of calcium. A cup of milk will have about 300 milligrams of calcium in it. So it is a, it is a good source of calcium, but it's not the only source. There are excellent sources without eating any dairy. Almonds are an excellent source of uh, calcium. Um, broccoli is a good source of calcium. Legumes, different legumes like chickpeas, excellent source of calcium. In fact, in my clinic, I have a whole handout on food sources of calcium that people can um, take with them home, uh, and I email the people to when they request it. So there are many different ways to get the calcium. It is not absolutely required to drink milk or even eat dairy to get that. And, and that got milk commercial, the, the dairy industry, uh, I think has really done a disservice uh, to you know, to people in essentially convincing them that to be healthy you have to drink milk, and that's just simply not true. Right, right. And yeah, another, you know, milk milk is a good source of protein, or mm-hmm. you know, dairy in general is a good source of protein as well, and that's the other component. It just there are other sources of protein that are a good mm-hmm. source of protein. It doesn't have to be all dairy. That's actually a good intro to my next question I was going to ask you is about protein. You know, we hear this debate back and forth between the meat eaters and the vegetarians, and they say, oh, vegetarians have stronger bones. And the, So what, what, is, what, do you, what is your take on that? Because I've heard, you know, that too much protein, too much animal protein can cause this acidity and then pull calcium from the bones. What's really going on with that? Well, to my knowledge, I don't know of any studies that, that, that have quantified that right. in terms of, in terms of meat eaters and uh, ve- versus vegetarians i think it's a complex uh, question mm-hmm. the, the bigger the better answer is what's the dietary pattern uh that is associated with the healthiest bones and that is really not a vegetarian pattern per se but one where people are eating more of a mediterranean style diet that is you know meat lean proteins are part of that but the Mediterranean style diet does have its own food pyramid, and the base of that food pyramid is exercise and you know walking, not necessarily getting to the gym, but just getting out and 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 moving your body. Uh, but above that, you've got you know whole grains and and legumes and and good uh, sources of, of vitamins and minerals from plant sources. And then as you move up less frequently, you do have eggs and. And fish and uh, meats and red meat is consumed less than weekly, you know, maybe two, three times a, a month, whereas in the standard American diet it's consumed multiple times a week and fresh fruits and vegetables are, are not consumed as much as they should be. So that's really, I think, for me, in terms of reframing the question, that's that's more appropriate in terms of how my mind thinks. I haven't actually looked at, at any of the research or seen any research um, you know, are vegetarians, do they have stronger bones or not? I personally don't believe that that's right. true, but I don't have the data. Yeah, I uh, just tell patients to eat real food. You know, I highly doubt that the cavemen had osteoporosis. It's like, you know, it's, it's this, uh, you know, processed foods and, and all the stress in our culture, and it's just so many other things. It's so multifactorial. You can't just go and blame just eating meat for osteoporosis. just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I think cavemen had other pro- other things yeah. to worry about. Yeah, seriously, they were too more than um, But in terms of, of eating, I, I found it interesting. I did look into the research because 
I've heard uh, more frequently than the the, the meat versus vegetable, uh, carnivore versus vegetarian question. Uh, caffeine does coffee increase the risk for osteoporosis? And in the data, there's a huge Norway study done in Norway, and thousands and thousands of participants that showed that the risk for osteoporosis in people who were consuming coffee was only elevated in people consuming nine cups of coffee a day or more who also were not consuming the minimum daily recommended amount of calcium. So, um, you know, uh, this is maybe a way for me to justify continuing to drink coffee, which I love, but the reality is it doesn't seem to increase the risk for osteoporosis, at least in that study, unless you're not consuming the amount of calcium in your diet that you should be. But on top of that, if you're drinking nine or more cups of coffee a day, I think there are other issues going on that, yeah. you, that you should take a look at. Yeah, I think so. Uh, there may be a thyroid issue. There may be other things happening. Sleep issue, maybe. <laughs> exactly. Um, wow, that's so. pretty intense. So I wanted to ask some questions for the listeners out there who um, who might have gotten some um, results from getting some bone scans and probably just have some questions about what it all means. Could you just kind of explain some of the tests that patients can get to look at their bone strength and what the numbers sure. can mean and what, what they don't mean necessarily? Sure. The standard of care in this country right now is a bone mineral density scan or also abbreviated as a DEXA scan. And a bone density scan is a, is a radiological evaluation. It's an X-ray. Uh, women and men, they go into a machine and it takes uh, shoots takes an X-ray of the bones and it calculates the age and sex-adjusted density of the bones and spits out a T-score. A T-score is that bone density score. And that is a diagnostic criteria for a bone density, uh, for, an, for osteoporosis. Uh, yeah, osteoporosis, the definition of osteoporosis as low bone mineral density was uh, was defined in the 1940s, and it hasn't been updated, and it needs to be updated. But that, that is the current definition of it. If your T-score is less than a negative 2.5, so negative 2.6, negative 2.7 or below, that is the di- diagnostic criteria for osteoporosis. And the only way to diagnose it is to and to get a diagnosis is to get a bone density scan. If your T score is negative one to negative two point five, then it's called osteopenia, which is a pre osteoporosis condition. And some studies have actually shown that that people are at higher risk for fracture when they have osteopenia, not even osteoporosis. So I do advocate definitely a more aggressive approach to lifestyle changes and supplementation, even with pre-osteoporosis. And osteo-K is is definitely an important part of that with osteopenia or osteoporosis. And with respect then to what the numbers mean, that's what they mean. It's an age and sex-adjusted variation of bone density, meaning that compared to somebody your own age and your own sex, your own gender, you are negative 2.7, negative 2.8, and your bone density has decreased. That is, you've lost minerals. It doesn't measure the collagen at all. It doesn't measure measure the connective tissue uh, at all. So, and that's an interesting point because the osteoporosis medications like Fosamax, Actinel, and Boniva will increase bone density in the lumbar spine. And there are two places where the bone density measurements are taken. Uh, They are taken in the lumbar spine as a low back and in the hip. So the osteoporosis medications, the most common ones are the Fosamax, Actinel, Boniva, called bisphosphonates. They will reduce 
vertebral fractures by about 45, 48% or less. And they're less effective, maybe 16 or 20 to 24% reduction of fracture risk for hip fractures, which are the most dangerous type of fractures. But they will increase bone density. So what's important about that with respect to testing is that a medication, while it may increase the bone density test, again, what do the numbers mean? The numbers mean or should mean what is your risk for fracture? And the reality is is that those numbers in terms of a bone density scan only predict 44% of women and 21% of men who will get a a fracture. Uh, As a side note, uh, there are more than 900 lawsuits now against against Fosamax for the side effects of the drug, and more than 50% of people who are prescribed the bisphosphonate medications have to stop them because of the side effects. And now research is now showing that these medications, after about three to five years of use, uh, actually increase the risk of somebody fracturing, um, not decrease it, although it's a minimal increase. It is small, but it is there. And that it is also associated now with a 4% risk of what's called osteonecrosis of the jaw. That is these bisphosphonate medications, Fosamax, Actinol, and Boniva, literally cause the jawbone to disintegrate. And it occurs when you end up going in for a... Um, a dental procedure, something as simple as a tooth extraction, and it can set off that process. It is a very scary scary scenario for both patients uh, and dentists and dental surgeons, uh, oral surgeons, because there's no effective treatment right now for it. In fact, my partner and I just submitted an article on bisphosphonate-related osteonecrosis to the Journal of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgery, really looking at the entire paradigm of bone health through the lens of collagen, what is being, it's not being addressed now clinically in medicine, really building collagen, that's what the MK4 and the OsteoK does, and it's not being addressed uh, in the osteoporosis research. The research for the pharmaceutical companies are really all about the bone density, which is a very poor predictor of fractures. In terms of other tests that can be run, there are some blood tests that can be run. Uh, of, you know, I could go through the names and the list of them, but the reality is none of them are run uh, of, uh, frequently, and they don't have very good predictive value for fracture risk anyway. Uh, some tests that may be helpful just in general is a vitamin D test to make sure you're not vitamin D deficient. You really want to get your vitamin D level up to 50 nanograms uh, or higher, and that can be done through supplementation. That is a good predictor of falls and also a fracture of low vitamin D, as well as vitamin D now, besides being a vitamin, is also understood to have uh, beneficial effects beyond bone health to immune system function uh, and other other uh, parameters of health that are very important. And when there's one study that came out showing that when vitamin D was replenished in people, they actually fell, they had l- lower risk of falling. Mm-hmm. So felt like again, they did? Fall- What's that? But you said that the patients felt like they had a lower risk of falling? They... No, not they felt that they did. Oh. The researchers determined that they did oh, okay. have a, a decreased risk of falling. And falls are the number one risk then of breaking a bone because if you fall, you hit your bones and, you know, they might break. Mm-hmm. So in terms of blood tests, I don't really do a lot of – I don't do – it's extremely rare that I do any blood tests specifically for bone health. What I will test for is, is vitamin D and – 
if someone does, as a, as a side note, uh, some the conventionally doctors uh, in an osteoporosis workup may test parathyroid hormone. And if the parathyroid hormone is high, you really need to get your vitamin D tested because uh, if vitamin D is low, uh, your parathyroid hormone may be high, and so that may be the, the reason why. Um, but again, in terms of the fracture risk reduction, the only reason any doctor should order any test doesn't matter what it is, if, is, is if it's going to change their approach to treatment. Right. And the blood tests uh, do not do that. The bone density test does that. The bone density test is a, it's some data. It's it's important. It's necessary, but not sufficient. Getting a good understanding of how some of somebody's lifestyle, uh, what their diet's like, uh, that has been shown to be the mo the most important indicators for uh, decreasing fracture risk and osteoporosis. And what medications they're taking. Again, the the nutrients in the osteo K, the MK4, it's the only supplement in the country that has clinical trials where it's been shown to stop bone loss and reverse bone loss from steroids. Uh, it, there's clinical trials on it in people with um, liver cirrhosis, with disuse syndrome. If you have a stroke and you can't use your limb, let's say an arm, you're at increased risk for, um, for osteoporosis, that it stops that bone loss and it reverses it. That's the, that's the MK4, 45 milligrams a day with the calcium and the vitamin D. So there are there are dozens and dozens of studies on on this and on this on this approach, not just from the dietary supplement standpoint, but from the diet and lifestyle standpoint as well. Medications are there and again the the question that always has to be asked when you're being offered a medication from your doctor is is aside from any risk of side effects that most people ask about because they're concerned about that, but in terms of osteoporosis specifically is, hey, doc, how much does this decrease my risk of fracture? And when they give you a number, if they have that number, you should ask, well, is that vertebral fracture or is that hip fracture? Because the risk of dying is not the same. If you break your, your, your spine, if you have a little fracture in your lumbar vertebrae, your low back, uh, or your mid-back, for example, you may be in pain, but you're not going to die. If you fracture your hip, you've got a 20% chance of dying. Now, that's not to minimize a vertebral fracture because, you know, nobody wants to live in chronic pain from vertebral fractures, but educating, 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 learning about what are the real important questions to ask your doctor. When the doctor says, hey, let's put you on this medication, your bone density is low. Well, you should ask the doctor, you know, Why? Well, it, they'll probably say it'll raise your bone density. Well, now that you know, any listener out there knows, the bone density only predicts 44% of women and 21% of men will get fractures. The next question is, well, that's great, Doc, but how much will it decrease my fracture risk? And that's where the diet and lifestyle and the, and the MK4 nutrients and osteo-K come in as a combination that can all be done with the medications as well to protect somebody uh, what we call fracture-proof your bones. It's been written about in various articles, this approach, extremely effective. And in fact, the University of Missouri has contacted us and is now developing a clinical trial um, to test OsteoK with a health communications platform through the University of Missouri for fracture prevention uh, in women in the United States. Wow, that's amazing. That's really impressive. So do you do you then do repeated DEXA just to see how it changes, or do you not even yep. bother? Okay. Absolutely, do repeat yeah. DEXA. Do, do do repeat DEXA about every two years. 
Okay. And the reason for that is you want to monitor. Ideally, you want to see that the bone density, you know, is going up because bone density can't be thrown out. It does have some predictive value. Again, that's that's a necess- in my opinion, it's a necessary component of looking more holistically and 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 more comprehensively at bone health and fracture reduction. Uh, bone density is one of those components. But you, if you rely solely on bone density, uh, you're really not getting the best uh, advice. Uh, nor are you getting the best perspective in terms of what people can do to help themselves. Okay. And when when do you recommend that, that women or men start looking into getting DEXAs done? Well, the current recommendation is that any postmenopausal uh, women uh, should get it should get it done. And the, the, the most rapid time of, of bone loss, that is mineral mass, or the mass, the loss of minerals in bone in women is for the 10 years after menopause and because of the estrogen decline. So that is uh, that is it's the recommendation to get a bone density scan in women and around menopause and to look at that as a baseline. In men, any man who has celiac disease should get a, and any woman who has celiac disease should get a bone density scan because that disease causes osteoporosis. Anyone who is on oral uh, uh, prednisone, corticosteroid therapy should get a bone density scan to, to, to measure, quantify, and see if they're getting osteoporosis or if they have osteoporosis. If you have a uh, fracture um, and you're in your 50s or 60s, uh, you may want to consider getting a bone density scan. Okay. And I know that there's there's li- listeners out there wondering about, because calcium, we're just so ingrained, right? Calcium, calcium, calcium is so important. Are there ways to measure a person's calcium? That's an interesting question. Now, yeah, there's what, People may have seen on um, blood test results uh, a serum calcium when they go right. a standard panel as a metabolic panel, and that's run conventionally. We run it every year when we're doing annual exams. And but that doesn't that's not a nutritional status. And right. There isn't really a good test to look at uh, calcium levels from a nutritional uh, standpoint or nutritional point of view. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't translate into it being related to bone health, right? No, it does not. Got it. No. Okay. All right, Dr. Newstead, is there anything else you'd want to share with our listeners? Well, I think the most important thing is for people to educate themselves, like I stressed before. Read as much as you can. Learn what you can. Be your own advocate. Take your own. Take charge of your own health because it is your body. It is your responsibility. And there are ways uh, that you can learn through the Internet. And there's information you can take to your doctor. You can also make your own decisions. There are dietary supplements out there. OsteoK, again, has been shown to decrease fractures by 87%. Go to the website, nbihealth.com, look at the information, but just don't take pills. Actively change your diet if, if it needs changing. Start exercising, start moving, do balance exercises, decrease stress if that's part of your life. All of those things together are going to stack the deck in your favor to help you live uh, as long a life, as an enjoyable of life as possible. And that's, that's what I would like to leave listeners with. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love that you mentioned that. It's more than just taking a pill. I mean, this is so holistic. Everything we talked about today is so much more than calcium. It's like looking at your adrenals and your stress level and making sure your diet. It's just it's so much, you know. It's We're all connected. And it's just amazing how something is 
like even like celiac could lead to osteoporosis. It's like your gut is connected to your bones and everything. It's just all connected. So, yeah, that's what I love about our medicine. You know, we see people as a whole. Everyone is, is you know, it's like really the whole person. So I love that. Thank you so much for continuing to bring that back to uh, that My pleasure. point. Yeah. My pleasure. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate you being on the show. And uh, listeners, definitely check out nbihealth.com. You can learn more about Dr. Neustadt and, um, and his amazing product that he's uh, developed. So definitely check that out. And uh, thanks again. I appreciate it. My pleasure. You have a nice evening. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, that's our show, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in. Definitely check out the show next week with uh, Dr. Marianne Marchese. We're going to be talking about uh, environmental medicine and what you can do to decrease the toxic burden on your body. So tune into that. The week after that, I'll be off the air, but then the following week, I'll be interviewing Dr. Uh, Lise Alshuler all about natural cancer care. Very, very important show to check out. So thanks again for listening. I really appreciate all the questions, and uh, I will uh, check you guys next week. Dr. Low Radio signing off. Bye. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10. North Pole Hotline, Mrs. Claus here. My holiday shopping list is so big, I can't wait for Black Friday. Get to Old Navy's biggest sale of the year starting tomorrow. Old Navy? Beat the crowds for 50% off your entire purchase. 50% off? Plus, this Friday only, Old Navy's famous cozy socks are just a buck in stores. Old Navy's giving $1 for every pair sold up to a million dollars to boys and girls clubs. So I can do good, look good, and get 50% off your entire purchase at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1121 to 1123. Exclusions apply. See store for details. Cozy socks valid 1123 in stores only. Limit 10.